Have you been searching for a Christian clothing brand to proudly wear and support? A brand fully founded in the Word of God, sharing the good news through beautiful designs and a powerful message of truth and love? Friends, look no further. The Fountain Sheep is a gospel-centered brand seeking to lift up believers all over the world, reminding them that they belong to the Good Shepherd and they've been given power to overcome evil and be the shining light in this dark world. In fact, they believe in generosity and they go out and give 20% of all net profits to churches and outreach ministries like the Dream Center in Los Angeles and expanding the kingdom in Venezuela. If you want a brand that's just perfect for you for sharing the gospel, then go to thefoundsheep.net or at thefoundsheepbrand on Instagram and find out how you can buy these wonderful designs to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's that time again. It's Greek for the Week. I'm Chris Palmer. Let's open our Bibles and get right down to the original language, the Greek. God bless you. It's Greek for the Week. It is the Greek for the Week podcast. Thank you for listening. I appreciate everyone that's leaving comments and applauding and liking it. You know what? Do me a favor. Can you go on the podcast platform that you have and just give this a good rating? I'd ask for a five-star rating because I believe this is a good podcast, but I don't want to influence your decision, but a five-star rating would be fantastic. If you give the podcast five-star rating, Greek for the Week on Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening, give it a good rating. It really does help us, okay? Just pause the podcast, or you don't even have to pause it. Hit that five stars, and let's just get the podcast around, okay? That would be really great. And if you want to support us, you can do so as well. Helps the podcast keep going, and we can do more things with it with your support. Now, it's Christmas time. And we're getting to the time of the year where, listen, if you don't have your gifts wrapped up, if you haven't purchased gifts for people, it's about time to think about doing that. And you know something? I'm the worst. I'm really bad at shopping. I wait to the last minute. I'm the pressure shopper. You know, leading up between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I'm like, hey, I got a month before I have to start buying gifts for people. And that month begins to get eaten up real fast. And I go to the mall to enjoy and see the decorations and watch other people shop. And I think, boy, I'm glad I'm not shopping. And then And then it gets to be about a few days before Christmas like it is now. And I think, man, I'm going to be that guy in there shopping. And people can watch me as the sweat beads off my forehead as I figure out what it is I need to buy for everyone. And then I really don't have that many people to shop for. But I got to have a gift, right? And happily, I buy gifts for people. But, you know, I'm a gift card type of guy. If you know me, you probably got a gift card from me. And uh, I know it lacks originality and thought. But in the end, people love their gift cards. Amazon, Macy's, whatever, you're going to use those gift cards. You may say, well, it's not exciting. I don't get to open anything up. Well, you know, I'd rather get a gift card than open up something that I really don't like or I'm not going to use or I'm going to look at one time. Those gift cards, they go a long way. Amazon especially, you can't lose with an Amazon gift card. There's so many things on Amazon, just best way to go. So if you get an Amazon gift card for me or Macy's gift card for me, that's not me being unoriginal. It's just, that's just probably the best gift. And now you know what? I'm thinking about you. That's why I'm doing it, because you're going to like it. And speaking of gifts, let's talk about the greatest gift of the Christmas season, and that is the gift of Jesus Christ. I mean, the reason why we're out here buying gifts for people and showing extra charity and being so excessive for love and kindness towards one another, and that's why people love Christmas, is because we show kindness and love towards each other in excess. Well, we should do it all the time, but we focus on it at Christmas because, really, it was shown to us in an excessive way through God through Jesus Christ, by God, through Jesus Christ. And it all starts in the birth story. And eh, Christmas is not about Frosty and Reindeer and Home Alone, Kevin McAllister and, and Uncle Eddie and Christmas Vacation. And all those things are fun to watch and Christmas cookies are fun to eat, which I don't like Christmas cookies, so I don't eat them. Uh, I like 
all sorts of stuff, but sugar cookies are not exciting. They're really not. I don't care if they're in the shape of a snowman or a reindeer. They're just not exciting. Um, but the reason why we have kindness and charity and love towards each other is because we're celebrating it the way that God showed it to us through Christ. And there's some interesting things from the Word of God. We're going to get into the Greek here. It's a more Greeky Greek for the week than all the other ones. Um, in Luke chapter 1 and through 2. Now, we're going to look at something interesting. If you have your Bible, you can go to Luke chapter 1 and 2. I mean, we're covering two chapters today, but we're not going to read all the verses. We may not read many of the verses. We'll look at a few, but you have to look them up. I'm assuming that you're going to look up the verses <laughs> at some point in your Bible study. I'm just kind of giving you the overview and the lay of the land here, and then you can go do with it what it is that you want. Now, I want to talk to you about what a diacope is. You say, a diacope, that sounds like a disease. It's not a disease. It's just an intentional repetition of words for emphasis on something. The Word of God uses these in a lot of places, and Luke likes to use them when he's writing his narrative about Jesus Christ, the Gospel of Luke. We find that he repeats a certain word or for emphasis. And you'll say, what's a diacope like? It's a word for emphasis. It's like a key word, all right? It's a word that you're using to find the main idea of something. It helps you determine really what a writer's thought is when you're looking at a passage. What is he thinking of? What does he have in mind? It helps us to understand where his mind is at the whole time as he's writing. I mean, what is he writing on? For example, you know, you're reading a love letter from your significant other, and they keep using the word love, and love this, love that. Well, then you know they love you. They've used in one page the word love 16 times. Well, you know that they're really thinking about how much they love you there. And pay attention to people's key words. It's going to help you focus in on where their mind is at. It's a style of writing, stylistic. And people think sometimes, I was telling someone this the other day, I said, you know, we miss a lot in the New Testament because people think that the way the gospel writers wrote is that one day they just got so inspired by the Holy Spirit and they sat down and just started writing. It's true that they were inspired by the Spirit 100%, but they were writers. They had styles, and the Holy Spirit used those styles to bring forth a lot of the real essence of the Word of God that we miss sometimes because we're verse hunting. I've talked about that in my other podcast, Beyond Chapter and Verse. Pay attention to repetition of words. Sometimes come out of that verse. Don't just go hunting for a verse. Don't just say, hey, today I'm going to preach on love and go look for all the verses on love. Maybe you should find a pericope, or pericope, excuse me, on love. Or maybe you could go find... Uh, a, a whole main story that centers around the idea of love instead of just a verse here and there. And we're going to look at Mark's account, several pericopes here in uh, Luke's account, I should say, several pericopes here in Luke's account that we're going to look at that make up the birth story. Okay? And when you see repetition of words, it's perhaps uh, the easiest way to notice emphasis. So look for words that are repeated. All right? So this is called a diacope. Let's skip some pop. You'd say, well, does Bible writers just use these? No, no. You know someone that uses them all the time. Bond. James Bond. So he wants you to know his name is Bond. You know, the last name. Don't forget the last name. It's I'm Bond. I'm James Bond. Don't forget, don't forget who I am. Okay? Or what about the old uh, don't know exactly what playwright it's from. The horror. Oh, the horror. Well, you know, this is a pretty bad situation now because you repeated the horror twice. The horror. Oh, the horror. Well, maybe maybe you're just a handy person and you like to go to the Home Depot. Now, I don't really like the Home Depot commercials when they come on the... Uh, <laughs> when Home Depot commercials come on, they are maybe the worst. I can't stand the song on the Home Depot commercials. And But they have this little saying that comes on at the end. You've heard them before. More saving, more doing. 
to Home Depot. Well, they want you to know, they say more saving, more doing. The word there, more is repeated. So they want you to know that at the Home Depot, whatever you're doing, you're going to get more of it, right? You're going to get more of it. Well, I go to Lowe's because it's closer. But if you go to Home Depot, you're going to get more is what they're telling you to do. And then there's, of course, the Energizer Bunny, right? It keeps going and going and going and going. Well, makes you want to buy Energizer batteries because you're just going to keep going and you're going to keep going and going and going. Well, it's not something new in advertising that people do. You see that the Word of God has diacopes, repetition of words that explain a idea, main idea, and gives you where the author is at, gives you meaning from the Word of God. And the word that we're going to look at here in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2 in the birth story is the Greek word pas. Now, if you're looking for the word pas, which is the lemma, which is the root word of it, you're going to find it in different forms. If you decide to go to the Greek New Testament, you might see pasin, uh, different ways that it's taken, it. panin, it's found different ways in the birth story. But it's all from the same root, which is pas, which means all. And let's just define it. This is a good place to define the word here. It means all, every to the highest degree of completeness, wholeness, everything belonging in a kind, each and every. You get the idea. It means totality, every, all, and is a marker that something is actually complete. And so this word here, pas, we're just, we're just going to use the root word, pas. We find it in totality here in Luke's account of the birth story, Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2. We don't find it one time. We don't find it three times. We don't find it 15 times. Okay, I'll get to the point. We find it 23 times in Luke chapter 1 and 2. So if you have an English Bible, you don't know Greek maybe, and you just want to look at it, go through and highlight every time you see the word all or every entirely or a derivative of that. Sometimes it's just translated differently. You're going to find it 23 times, even into the time of the story of Jesus as a little boy in, uh, as a little boy in the temple, because that's the end of Luke chapter 2, which connects to the childhood of Christ. It's all kind of there for us to understand what was Jesus doing while he was younger. Well, you're going to find 23 occurrences of the word all in two chapters of Luke, which tells me something very significant. Now, let's look quickly at some of the uses. I have marked a few that probably are a little bit more obvious. So you see in Luke chapter 1 and verse 3, let me go there. I use Logos Bible software. Well, I'm getting there. I use Logos Bible software. People say to me, what kind of tools do you use when you excavate the New Testament? Well, I've invested in Logos. I'm not, you know, somebody that thinks you have to have a Logos Bible software, but it really is wonderful. Look what it says here. It seems good to me also, having followed all things, or pasin in the Greek, all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So Luke's saying, all the things that Jesus has done, all of his miracles, all the things that God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. Well, he's already starting off three verses in, talking about all. And then we go to Luke chapter 1. Let me turn there in verse number 37. And we see, now here's the interesting one. For nothing will be impossible with God. Now, the Greek really reads a little bit differently because it's hotiok pan rema, uh, which means basically nothing shall not be impossible or what's saying in the Greek. So it's saying all things are possible by negating the positive. So this is a different way of putting it. But the point is, is really that all things are possible. Pas, all things, pan in this case, all things are possible with Christ Jesus through God. 
He can do anything. He's the God of the miraculous. So it's talking here about his mighty works and his mighty displays of power. And we go to Luke 171. It says here that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of Pantan, or which is from the root pas, all who hate us. So there you see it again. The word all is that the prophecy here, what Mary is prophesying, or I should say not Mary, Zechariah is prophesying and saying that it's through, okay, the move of God, what God is doing in the earth, making one from the house of David, through his holy prophets, verse 70, that there's going to be a deliverer coming who saves all people from their enemies. So it's being inclusive here, all people. We know these people that receive the love and mercy and grace of God through Christ, as we later see in Scripture. And then we see in verse number 75 of Luke chapter 1, used again. I mean, we see it even more than that. I'm just giving you a few here. And then we look here and we see chapter 2 and verse number 10. Let me go there. Chapter 2 and verse number 10. It says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, or Ponti in this case, all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ, who is Christ the Lord. We go on and on, but we're going to see numerous uses of pas, which is all. This means something very extremely important for us as believers to understand that this word is being used to highlight all of the mighty acts of God that he performed to bring Jesus Christ into the earth. And not just all of the mighty acts of God, all the mighty acts that Christ performed. And more than even that, it's referring to all the people that Jesus came to be born for so that he could later die. Which is telling me that all the mighty acts of God were for all of us. So it doesn't matter if you live in India, Australia, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Sudan, or Algeria, Brazil, the United States, Mexico, Canada, Alaska, Greenland, Iceland, Sweden, wherever you're at, Indonesia, Malaysia, wherever you're at, Jesus was born so that all those that receive him might have everlasting life. Amen. So that's what the Christmas message is about, is everyone and all those. And you know something? It's important to remember that also includes your enemies, the people you don't like. And we think perhaps someone of a different political affiliation, those people that you battle on Facebook all the time, politically, those people that you battle on WhatsApp or whatever, Instagram, that you just can't stand the memes they post about your favorite politician that, are, that, that dismantle them and show discord and you don't like that they voted for this person or didn't vote for that person and they have op opposing sides. Well, Jesus came to be born to die for that person. And not just that, but all the people in your family that you have unforgiveness towards, people have done you wrong. Jesus was born, and God displayed all of his mighty acts of power for Christ to be born so that they too can be saved. It's sobering because it tells me that you're not any more important than they are in the eyes of God. I'm not any more important than you are, and we're all equal in the eyes of God. He came for every one of us, which means that we have a duty and an obligation to show the love of God and to love one another as God loved us through Christ Jesus, as Jesus loved us, because Christmas is a time for all of us. So I want to encourage you this week, 
show kindness to everyone. You mean I should show kindness to, to my enemies? Absolutely. You mean hold the door for someone who is Muslim. Hold the door for somebody that you don't like or looks different from you. I'm not saying you agree with them because of that. Show love to everyone because Jesus died for them. Smile at them. Tell them Merry Christmas. Tell them God loves you. Do something to show the love of God. Let it radiate all of you because this is the time where we celebrate the grace and mercy and kindness of God that he has shown toward all the world. Remember, pass all. All of God's mighty acts, all of God's mighty power for all of the whole wide world. When you pray for the world, when you pray for the countries that God places in your heart, declare the love and mercy of God, the revival of God that is going to sweep this earth and touch every heart. We believe it. And pray for people that when they encounter that love of God, that they receive it. The Bible says that uh, if we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus died and that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. There's a responsibility for us to receive the love of God. So pray and believe God and declare that those that are lost will receive, will receive what God has done in their lives, that they'll repent and give their heart to the Lord this Christmas. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We encourage you, give the podcast five stars, share it with a friend. If you want to support it, you're welcome to do that. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with the next Greek for the week very soon. God bless. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us further, you may visit us on the web at lightoftoday.org. God bless and good studying.